The second reading is 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 7, on page 1023 of the Church Bibles. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. What pleases God? That's a pretty important question. I know uh, I believe in God as my creator, God as my judge. I want to please him. What pleases God? Well, tonight Timothy's going to tell us that. He says in, Paul's going to say in the letter of Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Entreaties, prayers, petition, and thanksgiving on behalf of all men. People who wait on God, acknowledge God is sovereign, seek God to act in their lives, trust him, rely on him. This is a church's worldwide responsibility. Churches are essentially a worshipping, praying community. And worship takes priority over evangelism because the love of God is the first commandment and love your neighbour is the second. And long after, um, long after church's evangelism task has been completed, God's people will continue to worship him eternally. Partly because evangelism in itself is an aspect of worship, a priestly service which, convert, which offers converts as an acceptable sacrifice to God. So love continues. Evangelism is here and now important. Love will continue into our heavenly time with God and we'll continue to worship him. But evangelism is important right now. We'll see about that in a minute. In verse 2, God's urging us to pray with prayers, intercession, requests and thanksgiving for kings and all those in authority that they may live peaceful, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, this is a remarkable request because at this time this was written, there was no Christian kings, no Christian world leaders as such. In fact, Nero was the Roman Emperor. Uh, from 54 to 68 AD, and he was a horrible man to Christians. But Paul is saying we should be praying for him. And godliness here, the idea of uh, live tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity, godliness is a key word in the pastoral letters of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus. It occurs 10 times, and nowhere else in all Paul's writing does it occur like that. So it's a major theme of these letters and implies a good and holy life with a special emphasis on, a, on its source, a deep reverence of God. A deep reverence of God. And Paul says that if we're praying like this and we're praying for all kings and we're praying that we live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity, in verse 3, this is good and pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This pleases God. This is what God wants us to be doing. 
to be praying. Uh, peaceful conditions facilitate the spreading of the gospel and they're a major factor in the early spreading of the gospel message. And the objects of prayer for national leaders in the context of peace, that they will preserve peace and religion and morality can flourish and evangelism go forward without interruption. Even if a state's not a Christian state, it's a duty of the state to keep the peace, protect the citizens from whatever would disturb it, to preserve the law and order, to punish evil and promote good. So on the other hand, it's the duty of the church to pray for the state. And the state and the church have reciprocal duties. The church to pray for the state and it be its conscience. And the state to protect the church. Each should help the other fulfill its God-given role. Now we need right now, as I've already prayed tonight, about the religious discrimination bill that is going to protect against discrimination on the basis of religious belief or activity in key areas of life. Um, pray for our local member, Susan Templeman. Uh, she hosted a meeting of clergy and myself there uh, on Thursday in a Windsor office and we discussed that with her and she took down points and she's going to take that on board. And also right now, I've already said about the abortion bill, it's before state government, we need to keep praying about that. It's about to go to the upper house and be decided. God wants us to be praying. He wants us to be the conscience of our government. He wants us to be urgently praying about these matters. And he wants us all, men, to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Verse 4, God loves the whole world and desires that all people be saved. So he commanded us to preach the gospel to all nations and pray for their conversion. All peoples doesn't mean that everyone's going to be saved. Paul was shown mercy because of in ignorant unbelief and presumably others um, who are defiant in their belief will may not change. I like reading what Paul says in Ephesians about that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 to 5. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The account of Acts of Paul's life that he gave. He was a hard man. He was a violent man. He opposed Christianity strongly and God stopped him in his tracks and blinded him and caused him to reflect and turned him around in his own thinking and he became a full follower of Jesus. If God can do that for Paul, he can do that for anyone. So we should not give up praying for people, even praying for difficult people. Salvation is there for everyone. You know, we read in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, whoever believes in him, whoever responds, whoever responds with belief, whoever sees that Jesus is God-made man, sees him dying on the cross for our forgiveness of sins, comes to Jesus repenting, seeking forgiveness, and now making Jesus the Lord and leader of their life. Whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. And that's God, God, what God wants. God wants people to come to him. And it comes out of the next verse, verse 5, the reason for that. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There is one God. That was something the Jews would say every day in what's called the Shema. They would confess the faith. Uh, there is one God. And the reason God wants all men to be saved is because he's the one God. There are no other gods. They're all false. This is the basis of his people's wholehearted and exclusive love that he has for them. Isaiah 45 verse 5 it says, God says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. It's plain in the Old Testament. There is a uniqueness of Yahweh as the only God who jealously just, who justifies his jealousy and his, also his universal mission. He's the only God. He's jealous. He doesn't want these pretend fake gods to be given any credit or people to be following them. He's jealous of his people. He loves his people. He wants all these people that he's made in the world to turn to him. He wants every knee to bow to him and every tongue swear his name, Isaiah 53. An exclusive faith, there is one God, no other. And leads necessarily to our inclusive mission. The one God wants all people to be saved. One God and one mediator, an intermediary, a person in the middle who affects a reconciliation between two rival parties, between God and the human race. Jesus the go-between. One who represents gods to human and humans to God, who removes alienation between them by offering himself as a ransom for all. The man Christ Jesus, unique, fully God, fully man. An intermediary must be able to represent both sides equally, and Jesus does that. He would live that perfect life of obedience to the Father as a man. He was then able to take the punishment that we deserve, or all humans deserve, for our rebellion, our sin. He was paying the perfect price so we could be released. He was substituting for us to give us a way back to God. Verse 6, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. That echoes Jesus' own statement in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so Paul says in here, at the end of verse 6, the testimony given in its proper time. Paul's an eyewitness of Jesus. He saw his life. He saw him die on the cross. He saw the empty uh, tomb and all the other Pharisees were looking for Jesus, hunting everywhere. And then he actually saw Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus Road. He saw that Jesus was now alive and Paul had that transformation. And it didn't stop there. The Holy Spirit came on him and he was commissioned as an apostle to take the message to the Gentiles, all the non-Jews, across the world in the name of Jesus, verse 7. For this purpose I was appointed a herald and apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. 
he talks about telling the truth and not lying because there's false teachers out there and they are lying. And, he's, he's, and they're even challenging his authority. And he's there to testify about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ has, in his death, bridged the gap between God and human beings, making salvation available to everyone. And he's making a public proclamation of that for all that will hear. And his mission to the Gentiles, the all nations and people beyond Israel, that's the church's worldwide responsibility now to keep taking that message out to all people because God wants all people to be saved. I wonder if the comparatively slow progress towards peace and justice in our world because there's always trouble happening and injustice going on and even world evangelism. Now, there's still people that don't know about Jesus. It's still going on. The message is still being spread. Is it due more than anything else to the prayerlessness of God's people? Do we pray enough about this? Should we be praying more? Or are we too concerned about what's happening here and not what's happening beyond here? The power of prayer to change the world. It's real. It happens. You and I can be involved with it. We haven't got the power. God has the power. And God invites us to join him in prayer, to share in the partnership of his, what he's doing in our world. President Marcos was toppled in the Philippines in 1986. And Filipino Christians attributed his downfall not to people power, but the power of prayer. Open Doors, Brother Andrew, who started that and was smuggler of Bibles into communist countries. In 1982, Open Doors launched a seven-year campaign of prayer for the communist bloc countries. Seven years later, almost to the day, in 1989, the Berlin Wall came down and the world changed because of prayer. Prayer that you and I can be involved with. Prayer that God hears. And also, what might not happen in the world if God's people learn to wait upon him in believing, persevering prayer? We don't know. But maybe we should be praying more and seeing what happens. And also, how are we going praying for those people that we might know? We all must know someone who doesn't know Jesus. Someone who's not saved. Someone is under the wrath of God and the end of life is looking horrible for them. And are we praying about them? Are we praying that God would work in them? And are we praying for some opportunities or ways forward that they might hear about Jesus and have an opportunity to respond? Let's be doing that. Let's be praying and asking God to work. Let's be persevering in prayer, not just looking for the quick fix. If it doesn't happen this week or this month, we give up. Let's keep praying and praying and praying and see God at work. God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth in Jesus. So let's be people who are reaching out in earnest prayer and urgent witness to all those around us.